Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. This is an appropriate time of the year for us to give some consideration to New Year's resolutions. And New Year's resolutions are generally about things that are really, really important. You know they're important, but somehow you don't get around to them. On that list, I think, are fitness, diets. Losing weight, the typical ones. Lots of things. I would argue that there's nothing that is more important than what we're going to address today in terms of recommendations for the new year for you. And that's easier to do. So this is more important and it's easier. And of course, you may have guessed what I'm likely to talk about, and that's you're doing some planning. But but this is thing, this is stuff that doesn't require a lot of effort on your part, but I can tell you, most people don't get around to it. The first of the year, as a New Year's resolution, we're suggesting that, that you follow the plan that we're going to outline for you, and that is designed to be easy. This has an easy button. Not a lot of stuff like this do. I don't know where the easy button is for fitness. Yeah, or losing weight. I mean, and that's something that has to take place for months and months. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, yeah, you're not seeing results right away. But no. with this, you do. Yeah, yeah. That that This is something where it is an easy button, meaning they're just some simple steps. So we're going to take the next... Uh, at most 45 minutes. We got to stay on schedule today. So we're going to at most be 45 minutes, but we're going to cover the checklist of the essential things that you need to get done to have your planning in place and to sleep well, knowing that all the most important things in your life are probably addressed on this list. So who else would we have with us today who can lead us down this this important discussion? None other than Nina Windsor, who, as you know, is a partner with uh, Tucker Allen. And so she's going to be leading this discussion. Uh, and of course, Jill, you will be our person in the street asking those critical questions that our viewers cannot themselves. The roving reporter. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I can do that. So you're an ambassador. You're an, an amb- ambassador. Oh, I like that better, ambassador. The, 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 is this going to mean a pay raise we need to talk oh, about? I don't know. We're going to have to discuss. Oh, yeah, we'll talk later. <laughs> Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen, we know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help you protect your family your legacy, and your future. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning. Count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. Anyway, uh, now I'll hand the floor to you, uh, Nina, to start us in this discussion. So as we're, you know, reaching the end of the year, I know we've talked about a lot of different things. I've gotten to be a, a regular guest here, and I really appreciate that. And we've Our hammered legal on. celebrity. Thank you so much. Uh, but we have regularly covered topics that, you know, in um, combination basically have covered an entire comprehensive estate Mm -hmm. plan and some of those issues that uh, come up as wrinkles making that estate plan unique, even though we, you know, still hammer home the point that every estate plan is unique, every client is, is unique. So when we're talking about those things, though, the underlying concepts are pretty consistent between anybody who is coming through the door, whether regardless of age, 
actually. And regardless of family situation, uh, the underlying documents that you need and the things that you need to put in place to have a full disaster preparedness plan are, are the same. And and so because of that, uh, we're able to actually kind of condense this down into a list. We can. And I'm going to throw in, though, a comment that Nina may not completely agree with. But I would argue that if you're 50 or above, well, this is important for all of you. If you're 30 years old, you know, especially if you have a child, you know, obviously these things need attention. But I would argue that if you're over age 50, this is something that you just cannot responsibly put off. Well, and we, I actually do agree with you. And, and I think that one of the things that we're noticing is that let's say you come in and don't be embarrassed. Everybody should be there, you know, when they're, when they're ready. And, and if you put things off, then today is the best day to try to take care of this. But if you come in and you're asking me questions about your parents at the same time as yourself, uh, because your parents have not yet right. done things, then that means you've probably waited too long because that means you're at the age that you um, really should be thinking about things. And they are far past the point where, you know, where anything could happen any day that could make things far harder on you. So at that point, the sense of urgency is is really there. It's pretty high. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, mm-hmm. do you see, though, at the beginning of the year, more people coming in and thinking, you know, okay, this is what I need to do. Do you see that typically? I mean, they may have a mother like mine who's constantly harping on making sure everybody had an estate plan. My dad did the same thing. Uh, you know, I think I think there's Sounds something like she's in the, on top of it. I think there's a provision unique, in there. In there. Yeah. Well, because anyone who has dealt with a um, the death of a family member, especially if they didn't have a prepaid estate plan uh, or, or a, um, a prepaid burial plan, so you're making all of those decisions, and then you're figuring out that as soon as you wrap up the funeral, you have to jump right back in to dealing with all of the things that are associated with a potential probate um, or tax returns, and all you know, all the things. That that are associated there. And it's so much work that you don't get a chance to grieve. And also, if you have a family member who is incapacitated, then you notice very quickly, oh, I don't have the appropriate powers of attorney for this person. So you may have had to go through a guardianship. So whatever happened in the last year or last couple of years, you may, you know, someone in your family has had a either direct or tangential experience with a situation that could have been easier, but wasn't because things weren't in place the way that they were supposed because to be. Because of procrastination, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go through the list, um, or let's talk about some of these issues. And and I do promise you, at the end of the show, we will go through, a, we'll have pop up on the screen for you the list that, that we'll be talking about. But we want to, during the next few minutes, just talk about these items in more general terms. But I promise you the list at the end of the show, it'll be posted on the screen. So where should we start? So I guess we can start out with, okay, you may have a plan and it may not be the most the Cadillac of all plans. You may not have a full trust put together with all of your druthers, all of your you know preferences for um, how you would like things to go if you were either incapacitated or if you pass away. Um, so if that isn't for you or you've decided it's cost prohibitive or you know you just refuse to go into a lawyer's office, you and and you may or may not have a will in place. Remember that even if you do have a will, your will is your backup plan. You do not want all of your assets going through probate. It does nobody any good. So if that's the case, take a look and make sure that your accounts have beneficiary designations on them. 
um, that go to the people that you want them to. Most likely, if you're married, your spouse is the primary. But it's surprising how many people I talk to that have their spouse as the primary and no one named after their spouse. Um, I know that you know you don't think that your spouse is going to live forever, and I'm pretty sure that you know that you have no idea who's going to pass away first. First, right. Um, even if you think you have a good idea, you may be wrong. So it's very important to have your contingent beneficiaries listed. Um, additionally, if you don't have powers of attorney, which we'll you know talk about as well, it, um, then at that point, it may be good for you to have somebody on your account, even though I really hate it when people add their kids to their accounts. But if you don't have a spouse and you don't have a joint account, it becomes that much more risky that at some point you're going to be incapacitated and nobody's going to be able to access those, those funds. funds right. So just making sure, you know, this is not your this is not your primary best plan. But if you're really trying to even get things in place until you can get into an estate planning attorney's office, uh, looking at things today, make sure that you do have some sort of a plan, especially if you're traveling, you know, over the holidays or over the new year um, and you can't get into somebody's office, make sure that you have a plan and somebody knows where your accounts are and things like that, where your bills are, what what different types of assets right. you have and try to compile them into one place. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk about when we need to update. And, and I understand we should look at our estate plan like at least every year, right? So we're talking updating, you know, marriages, divorces, births. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you are the opposite of what we just discussed. You actually do have an estate plan in place. Okay. You have good documents in place and you've spent good money on them. The hope, of course, is that you won't have to update them very often, but realistically speaking, the client may need to update you know, at least reviewing every five years, we recommend having an annual review with your attorney because they'll, including Tucker Allen, a lot of places will offer the opportunity to sit down and say, hey, what's new? And so your attorney at that point, you know, would would actually talk about those things with you, discussing whether you had any new kids or, you know, whether a client actually had a, any type of divorce. We had an entire show talking about whether there was a divorce pending and whether you were thinking about a divorce. So if that's on your mind at all, absolutely go see an estate planning attorney. Um, but I do think that for most people, uh, a lot of things that come up over the holidays is that really having an accurate view over what your family is capable of and what the level of responsibility is mm -hmm. of your uh, of different children you know as as children become older you know, a person would start to see, okay, I have a client, you know, I have a, a child who is really great with numbers and they're in school for accounting, uh, but they were really young when I, wrote my documents. So I didn't designate them on things. So I have had clients come into my office that have kind of reordered the way that they have their agents put like onto their documents. what duty? Yes. It doesn't have to be an update of, I had dinner with my family and gosh, <laughs> I really don't like this person and I don't want them. But I mean, that can happen. That's a that's, whole nother show. But that's a whole other thing to decide that those are the changes that you want to angrily make. And even then we decide, you know, we usually try to do a cooling off period before you make angry changes to your right, documents. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but... 
If you are looking at any type of restructuring, uh, it's a good time to look at your, uh, you know, at, at your documents. Sure. But I would say that for the average client, they're looking at did they buy a new house that year? I was year? just going to say that. Did it could they be a purchase. Cha- exactly. A big purchase. Very exciting. A nice car that you don't want to end up in probate is, a you know, is another thing that you have to uh, always take into consideration with your estate plan. But the other thing is that if you are looking at an estate plan that you currently have, um, it is very important to take a look not only about new assets, but also um, new accounts. And if you've changed jobs, if you've rolled over a retirement plan, uh, any of the things that can be seen as really exciting, positive changes, they come with paperwork. So if you are not a paperwork person and nobody in your family is a paperwork person, then you can take your stack of things, your shoebox, whatever it is, but bring it into your attorney's office and sort through it. So, But also, I mean, there can be some unfavorable changes like a, a medical diagnosis that I mean, the, how, is, how often does it happen that we have right, that? Right, very sad. I actually, um, this month, and I, you know, obviously we won't we won't name any names, but we have had several consultations that have been on a rush, um, not and unfortunately not because the rush for the documents was I'm leaving to go to Europe, although that happens too, and we love we love rushing around for mm-hmm. people to go on vacation, but unfortunately we've had some rushes on documents because of somebody who's gotten an unfavorable diagnosis or a prognosis. And we want to make sure that since they've taken that big step to come in and try to get right. things done, that we beat the clock on that. So maybe they'll, you know, maybe urgent. things will go better than we think that they will. But if they go worse than they think that, you know, they right. will, then right. we want to yeah. make sure that the documents are, are in place for them. And that's an important distinction. Uh, it doesn't mean that you might or a family member might have gotten a terminal diagnosis. Matter of fact, you may even be encouraged. The the doctor says, look, you know, th- this is a malignancy, but I'm confident reasonably or even strongly confident that we can treat it, and they probably will. But that's an example where, you know, just this new risk factor has been thrown into your life. Yeah. So it's it doesn't mean a ter- just a terminal diagnosis. It can just mean that you've had, you're, you're having this brush with something that, that could be life-threatening, probably won't be in your case. But that's a good reason to think about, you know, any revision you want to make in the plan. You want to be proactive with something like that. You don't want to sit around and, you know, and just hope for the best. But so many people think that that a medical scare is just a medical scare, meaning, or a a medical crisis. But it's, it's more than that. And and um, in, in by some value systems, by some of your value systems, you know, there's something more critical even than the medical care itself to you. And that's other things, other priorities you may have in your life and things largely that can be addressed through the sort of things that we're discussing here. Right. So um, it don't don't think of, of a medical crisis as being nothing more than that. Everybody hurries to go to doctors, as you should. And they do research, as you should. And they, and if they need to get on a plane and fly to get better care, so be it. Thankfully, if we're in St. Louis, we probably don't have to get on a plane. No, we've got world-renowned hospitals. Yeah. But, yeah. but at the same time that you're doing those things, I'm, I'm arguing to you that these things should, should be as important or almost as important as the things that you're doing to take care of your health. 
And one thing I would like to add, because I think it's very important and it it kind of surprised me that some of the hesitancy people have when they have a diagnosis towards estate planning is they think of it as the same thing as picking out their casket, which I know that you've had other shows on and can be very helpful, but somebody else can probably pick out your casket if you have a mental block for not being able to pick out your casket. No one else can notarize documents for you granting authority to handle your affairs. Right. So it is not designed to be morbid. It is not designed to be you throwing in the towel. It's not bad luck to put these plans in place. And when we're talking about things with clients, we are very careful to discuss things in terms of best and worst case scenario. So that conversation was going to have it happen that way, whether you came in with a terminal diagnosis or not as a client. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. you, you can have a, a, any type of condition. You can have any type of worry about your personal situation as a client, and, and it does not matter. We're going to ask pretty much the same questions, but we're going to dig into them um, as much as you allow us to, to to offer those preferences to be documented as much as Just possible. Just covering all the bases. Yeah. Mo- most people have more specific thoughts about how they want things to go when they have really contemplated their mortality, but it is so on the attorney side, it makes it a little bit easier to really get a specific document in place, but I mean, we're going to go there regardless because we want to make sure that we have a good product that's not cookie cutter. Well, since we've hit on medical care, uh, can you take a few minutes and talk about um, the durable power of attorney? I guess we should talk about it generally as well mm-hmm. as, as it pertains to medical care. Yes. So we, we've we gone through this year about medical powers of attorney versus financial powers of attorney, also known as durable powers of attorney. So for healthcare documents, some people have documents that encompass all three, both, you know, of a HIPAA, mm-hmm. a living will, and a, a document that grants that authority to someone else to make medical decisions if they can't make them for themselves. Sometimes those documents are all split up. So you'll have three different documents kind of in a packet that you will hand to the hospital. None of those are a DNR. So again, it doesn't have to be You're super to explain mo- DNR. morbid. DNR. Do not resuscitate. resuscitate. So someone who's talking about whether they want a ventilator uh, supporter or artificial nutrition and a feeding tube, that's going to be in your documents. You're going to talk about that if you come in and you're 18 or if you come in and you're 93. So it's going to be there. But that is not the same thing as telling someone not to bring you back and to use paddles or whatnot to bring you back to a certain stable state if you um, were to lose consciousness. So again, it's not it's not that morbid. We're not assuming that you're so sick that we don't want to actually try to take care of you and and direct the hospital to do that. Uh, It is a very good document to have in place because if you cannot make decisions for yourself, even while you're in surgery, you need to have someone that can. And if you are single, whether that's because you're you know, widowed or because you're just a single professional or whether you're a college student, you should have something in place that grants that authority to someone else because there is no default authority granted with a healthcare power of attorney unless you're a kid. Mm-hmm. So you need to think about somebody that you would trust with your care over what could be decades 
and I'm talking about just medical care, health care. Right. That, that's the, the, the durable power of attorney for health care, which is different from the general durable power, which is legal matters and business matters. But the one relating to health care, which is what we're talking about here, um, if you had a stroke, if you became incompetent, something such as that, that person would have the authority to make all the decisions about your health care for you. And and that's, that can be... Uh, a fairly long-term role uh, for such a person. More often than not, this comes into play at end of life, but uh, but it could come into play, you know, a decade before end of life. So it's really important to think about who would be in that. Right. Talk about where, how often you see, or do do you see often the person who's chosen to be have the durable power to also have the the general durable power. So. For most clients, they will elect to get both documents. There's no reason not to take care of uh, a financial power of attorney at the same time as you're doing healthcare documents. Do they choose the same person typically? But as far as who you choose for an agent, um, most of the time they will choose the same person if they if they only have one child, and you know the, if they have a spouse, it's usually the spouse for both. Um, but as your backups are concerned, if they only have one child, they'll usually name their child next. If they have multiple children, it's very interesting to see uh, whether they will name the same person for financial as health care. In, in my family, we have certain people who are in health care and other people who are paperwork numbers, you know, right. budget people. And so um, in our family, even amongst the siblings, we name our different siblings for different duties. But you want to have a succession plan because... If yes. the, first, the first person, for whatever reason, passes away, then you have to have someone else to fall back on. Yes. So, I mean, if your New Year's resolution is to get in and get all of your documents taken care of, get the most for your money, and make sure that you don't just have one person named, because that way you've got your backup plans and you don't have to come back and add them later. But you don't, and I know this does happen where someone might have you know, two or three per- people, say their kids, serving in that same role that's not a good idea. Simultaneously. Simultaneously, yeah. Well, we've talked Where about how much you know, I don't like co-agents. Co- <laughs> yeah, because too many cooks in the kitchen. They're, they may not agree. They may not agree. They may also want to agree, but be second-guessing themselves or each other, and it's just very difficult. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the person who is on the receiving end of that document has to make a decision whether to take one person as having authority for both. And so if you have one person as a as a physician, let's say, you have one family member who's on there in town and communicating with you, but the other person is out of town, there's a lot of uh, concern over just taking one person's word for it. And so it can slow things down. Right. The whole point of these documents is to speed things along, to make them as seamless as possible so that you are getting um, the best care as a person who is granted this authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that you should have any reluctance to name two different people. Because it is, if we think about our world experience, uh, there are people who we think of as nurturers and there are people we think of that are maybe better at managing things. And I can think of my two daughters who both are smart and gifted and whatnot. But but one is a little more nurturing. The other, you know, if she weren't a lawyer, she'd be an accountant, I suspect. So I mean, just different skill sets. And uh, think about who would have the skill sets to handle the business matters 
uh, et cetera, and then think who might be more appropriate for the tender sort of side, which is the caregiving side. And most people do have, I think you you agreed with this, that most people do have two different people in that role if they can. But as you said, sometimes you don't have two different candidates. So you choose one person and that's fine. But think about the successors. And most people, I'm sure, name their spouses first, right? They do. And remember, that's somebody who's probably close to your own age. And there's a good chance, I read this statistic once, when husband and wives die together. Uh-huh. Because, we talked about yes. that. Yeah. I don't, it wasn't a big number, but it was a big enough possibility to where you know, you travel together when things happen. Sometimes they happen to both of you. So uh, it's good to name your spouse first if you if that's the person you would choose. But then, as we've said, well, they, you've got to have successors and name two or three. And that means that it won't be slowed down. And as we just discussed, too, it's better to have in place Nina's recommendation that that you have one person if you can because that person is going to be able to make decisions and move things along. If you have two people that are required, then, of course, there's always the possibility of a deadlock. And then you say, well, may, maybe I need an odd number. I'll go to three. <laughs> but the problem with that is now you have to locate three people somewhere on the planet. And it's not like 100 years ago when there's a good chance they're within a quarter mile of each other. <laughs> you yeah, know, We're spread out now. Yeah. There's a good chance that, that maybe they're not even on the same continent. And you want decisions made immediately so that, you know, your care is 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 streamlined and, and financial counts, et cetera, for the, the role of the durable power of attorney, the general power. So anyway, um, I think, have we covered this enough or should we, is there anything, what else would you add, Nina, to this, if anything? Just making sure that you're revisiting powers of attorney and making sure that they still encompass everything that you want to give authority on. Uh, newer powers of attorney documents will normally include um, provisions regarding electronic and digital assets. So if uh, a, a power of attorney document was prepared in I mean, prior to 2005, even 2010, mm -hmm. it may not include these very important provisions that have to do with uh, accessing things that are electronically held, such as photos and uh, even financial assets. Yeah. Like, um, Cryptocurrency. Crypto. Cryptocurrency. Oh, we've done shows on that one before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so maybe we should do a show on FTX. Don't really as love a, it. As a retirement <laughs> Oh, yes. Plan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one other thing, though, I think I would, I, I, I think you would agree with this from what you said a while ago. So if, if our viewers could only get one thing done, maybe they don't have much money and they wanted to know what is, what can I do cheaply and get the most power for my buck? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the phrase? Bang for my bang. buck. Bang, Best for, bang my for my buck. buck. So w would you say that, that the most power you probably obtain or the most benefit for your buck would be through the durable power? Yes, I would. Because it also doesn't require you to think in this way that, you know, you're trying to think about your end of life. This is talking about something that could just be you're uh, taking an assignment out of the country and you want to grant somebody power to take care of things. You want to make, you're traveling just generally quite a bit and, and any international hospitals are going to want to see that authority on those documents. So, you, you know, anything that is normal, you know, day to day as an as a retired individual, just to make sure you're covered, mm -hmm. to all the way down to 
you have this very you know high-powered, busy lifestyle, anyone uh, over the age of 18 needs powers of attorney. Yeah, and I can't pound the table enough on this thing. I mean, I've said this since we started this show, that that all of us are wandering around with a substantial risk that we'll not be able to make decisions in the same day, at the end of the same day even. Because when you travel, your example, especially you'll be in a car wreck. It doesn't mean that you're going to die. It doesn't mean even that you're going to be out of service for maybe a long period of time. But, but it could just be a serious enough to where you need somebody who's empowered in the United States to do everything that you need done, whether it's getting documents transferred, whether it's getting authority through your right. insurance company, whether it's accessing money. Some of these countries, depending on where you're traveling, you may need to wire cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just think, you in order for most of us to have that capability, if there's not a document in place and you're not in a position to authorize it, it means going to court, going to court and getting a judge to have a hearing, appointing somebody, all this expensive machinery in place, time lost, money wasted, and somebody who's now reporting to the court and may not be doing what you want you would choose them to do. But the alternative is, is this form, <laughs> a form. Yeah. And I say form. I don't want to oversimplify that. Uh, there are some important decisions to be made, but they're not real complicated decisions. There's a list of, of questions that you can be asked in a one-hour meeting, mm-hmm. maybe. Yes. So, so I mean, this powerful, powerful piece of paper that's probably not more than five pages less. Don't tell me you have 20 pages. It's not 20 pages. <laughs> but it's more than five. Anyway. It, Somewhere in between. Yes. It's comparatively inexpensive. I, I, you know, less than a thousand bucks, certainly. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah, Especially than, as a single individual. Yeah. Less than 500, maybe. But don't, I, I, I corrected myself a while ago, lest I, I, prompt you to think that if you know somebody who has one, you can run off a copy and sign it yourself and Please you're good. Please don't do that. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, it, the same thing goes with, with wills and trusts. But, you know, there are some important things you're going to answer that will, yours will be different from other people, but it's not as complicated as doing a will and as or a trust. And as a result, you can have something like this in place and spend less than $500. So um, that would be, if you're only going to do one thing on this list, it'd be that. So what should we get to now? Things to do in the month of January. Our to-do list. Our Our to-do list. Without further ado. So some things um, that you should take a look at if you are looking at your New Year's resolution, start with your attorney. Because if they're a good attorney, they're going to be able to see where the gaps are. Um, So if, um, if I'm talking to a new client... I'm going to ask questions like, do they have a a burial plan? Do they have life insurance? Do they have long-term care? So if the average person is coming into an attorney's office, that may be their first time discussing any of these topics, but they also may not uh, know that it's relevant that they have a CPA who regularly does their taxes or that they have a point person that deals with their retirement plans or their brokerage account. We talk about all of those things with anyone who comes in, not only to get a baseline of where their finances Mm -hmm. are, but also to make sure that they know that the door of communication is open with those other professionals for us to give and and share information. And so I always ask whether we have permission if we get a call from one of their professionals to share what we're working on. So 
some of the things that need to be done, such as talking about where those retirement assets are going to go um, and whether they'd go to a spouse first or whether they go to a trust or, you know, how are they going to be structured for distributions? Those are things that we handle. But who is holding those other accounts and whether that person has questions as to how those things are going to be handled through the estate plan or has input. They may know a special circumstance that the client is not telling me. Uh, So the most important thing is to make sure that you come in with an open mind. Nobody is trying to give you information that's going to cost you extra or anything like that when you're working with an estate plan. It's not more expensive to have your estate planning attorney, if they're flat rate, communicate with these other professionals because they're not charging you hourly. And that's what's great about estate planning, unlike if you've been in other areas of the law, like litigation where you're billed hourly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you're if you are somebody who's looking for an estate plan and you're comparing different attorneys, uh, it's a good idea, and, and I think that I think that you've you've kind of you've touched on what I think for many people is the deal killer in terms of their getting this done. Mm-hmm. Uh, is they imagine that they're going to have to meet with a lawyer, the estate planning lawyer will say, then the estate planning lawyer is going to ask them things and ask for things that that you don't have, but you have a tax lawyer or a financial planner or uh, an insurance agent or something that may have that information. So you're thinking that you're going to launch into a series of errands in which (laughs) you're going to be running documents between professionals, which you don't understand. And all these, each of these professionals will be in their own silo asking you questions and asking you to interpret what you were told by another professional, which you don't understand. So it, um, it produces such anxiety that you say, I think I'll maybe do that next year. <laughs> uh, so so what, what we want to emphasize to you is Nina's approach through Tucker Allen is to be that, that professional in the center that coordinates everyone and allows them to function as a team. So rather than, than a series of silos, they become interactive, believe it or not. And so while you, after you leave your meeting and you go home and go about your life over the next several weeks or whatever it may take, uh, these communications, if you've given us the authority, these communications are taking place. So you're not worrying about our knowing what the tax lawyer told you, thinking that we're going to screw up the tax plan, or thinking instead that your insurance guy is going to screw up the plan we do. Instead, we can assure that everybody is on the same sheet of music and we're all playing the same thing, and you don't have to worry about it. So that, I like that same sheet of music and we're all playing the same thing. Yeah, and, and it, but, but that's the only way that you can do what Nina's talking about is there are more than, there's more than one professional involved and you're not capable of being the interpreter. We know that. Uh, so we're happy to do that. How does that normally work? Well, a lot of the communication will happen after the estate plan has been drafted. Uh, some clients will ask us to send a draft to their person who's, you know, their their coach, their mm-hmm. financial advisor. Uh, we deal very, very closely with financial advisors. Sometimes the financial advisor actually refers the client. And again, they don't get anything for doing that, nor do we get anything for referring a client to a financial that, advisor. That's an important mm-hmm. point to make. You should know this and you should ask it of any professional who purports to interact with other professionals on your behalf. Are they getting paid anything? I know this sounds cynical, 
But I believe if if you get truthful answers, the substantial majority of the time, there's some sort of compensation. And I can tell you for lawyers, ethically, we're not supposed to, number one. Correct. But for Tucker Allen, especially, we're emphatic about that because we know that that's what gives us credibility with you is that you know when we suggest you you talk to this tax lawyer or or we suggest a, you know a some i don't think we'd suggest an insurance product maybe maybe we would mm-hmm. suggest that you have some life insurance mm-hmm. certainly um, you can be sure we're not getting paid anything to give you that advice other than the flat fee that you've given us. Correct. There are no uh, contracts for partnerships with any business. We've been approached for that, and we we have declined. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it's really cleaner that way. Yeah, but but that's, we can, and that's good to know for the client. It really it, is. It really is. It shows that we have a level of concern that maybe um, maybe a regular accountant might not have, or a, you know, a different yeah. type of a yeah. firm may not have that we really want our documents to work well in, but for your whole plan across the board through retirement after your passing, after one of the passings of of a couple, um, that things go the way that we're talking about. Exactly. And, and, um, and if you think about it, it's really a natural arrangement. If I were to ask you to think about that circle of professionals who do, we agree, need to interact. I'm sure you agree with that. And we need to be coordinated. And, and you probably agree that somebody should be at the center of that other than you, then if you go down the list, we're the natural, this professional, meaning your estate planning professional, you're, is, is the logical choice. You wouldn't choose your tax lawyer because your tax lawyer would really, is just very narrow in terms of their perspective, it's just tax. Estate planning affects all your assets, all your life, and your health care and other things. So it's pretty, it's a, it's a large... Uh, umbrella. But your insurance guy, you wouldn't say, oh, this is the person I want to interpret. You know, no, but between... definitely not. And no, they would no, defer. No. They'll ask you if you have an estate plan. They, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> they now, would. Now, now, your financial advisor may say, oh, that's me. But I mean, if you think about it, I don't think you would you would conclude that that's probably the rest. It's not that they're not authorities on investment, but they'd have to understand the legal dimensions. Um, so the logical choice is your estate planning lawyer. And if you go to to somebody other than Tucker Allen and they don't do that, you should ask them, you know, I need somebody who can play that role because you don't want to to be the the person in the center. You end up, yes, you end up feeling like a ping pong ball. And, and this happens to me professionally sometimes as well. So you just want to make sure that you don't have that happen. Nobody likes it in their personal life, being the interpreter between a bunch of different people. And so they clearly aren't going to like it with something this important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. um, And that really takes, you know, a few things uh, off of your list that you're going to want to to take a look at if you if you're somebody who is looking at trying to make sure you have a comprehensive plan. I mean, I can't go pick out a burial plot for a client, so they're really going to have to do that themselves if it's something that's important to them. But it doesn't have to happen right away. Right. Or um, they may be cremated. They may want they to may, be cremated. That's and, more and more. And, and or green burial, which we're, we're drafting all kinds of things. So you, if you're putting together a set of documents as a client, they may want to actually look at just putting a general intent as to what would happen after they passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other documents that can that. be more specific. So you you really, as an individual, don't have to make all these decisions before 
And mm-hmm. and also, there's a waiting period in between. When a client comes in and says, I want to get something down on paper, that's a draft. That is a definition of a draft. It's not a final document. So when I'm working on something and then I hand it over to a client, I'll often have spaces where I said, hey, we had a, a TBD to be determined on this particular point. Have you thought anything more about it? Have you made some phone calls? You know, and, and they will respond I'd like to keep it vague or, yes, I did make that phone call. You know, I'm going to have paperwork that I bring with me to the signing mm-hmm. of my documents and we will incorporate that. So don't. there's no reason to delay for taking the first step to get something roughed out. Sure. So I know we're running out of time. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to be sure, though, we get to the pour over will. Um, the pour over will works in conjunction with the living trust. Can you take just a couple of minutes and re- remind people why they do that? So one of the misconceptions about having a trust people will get very frustrated and say, I thought I didn't need a will. I have a trust. So again, we're talking about disaster preparedness. We want to have a plan A, a plan B, hopefully a plan C. So your plan A, um, when you have an estate plan, is going to be your trust. But for a person who has a trust, they also want to make sure that they have a will. And the will does not have provisions in it that says to so-and-so get my, you know, they get my car and to so-and-so they get my chest set. Uh, it A pour over will is something that pours your assets over into your trust if you forgot to designate them appropriately to your trust before, so it's like before, a before the person net? passed away. Or a backup plan. It is. It's a safety it's a very net. good safety net. It will name your uh, you know the trustee of the trust will also be named as the personal representative. So it okay. looks kind of the same as far as who who somebody is designated as their fiduciary. It's a very simple document. It says to the court that that person can serve without a bond, um, that they don't have to have supervised administration. We can always go, you know, through that at another time with what the statute says. But it, it, what it is is, let's simplify this process as much as possible. Yeah. We didn't even want to have to use this document to begin with, so this document is basically going to say, probate court, please issue an order saying that that asset that someone forgot to put into their trust goes to their trust. And then it's kind of like the marble game, places that asset up at the top of of the marble game, and then it bounces around according to the provisions that the person has put in their trust. Mm. I've never played the marble game. Have you played the marble game, too? Oh, it's My been grandparents years. had a marble game. I fun. love marbles. Is I'm trying to decide like if I'm the... too young or too old to know what that is. <laughs> Usually I'm too old. So I <laughs> not, not in this instance. Jax, that's a fun game, too. But it uh, it's really, know you know, you, can, you have all of the provisions uh, that are in a trust that someone has spent a lot of time making decisions about. And then they're they're like, well, now I have to make all these decisions about this will too. That's not true. You've made all the decisions already. They're in your trust. And this is simply a document that is saying that if you went out and bought a car and passed away a month later and didn't put a designation on that car, that right. it, it was going to go to a trust that, that the probate court Yeah. So it. that's a way to think of it. I like that phrase, a safety net. Um, it's something that will capture any asset that you didn't know about. I mean, you could, if you are predisposed to walk a high wire without a net below you because you know how to do it and you know you did it, you're doing it correctly, then, you know, there's no law that says you have to have a pour over will. So you could not have a pour over will and say, I'm confident, I've, I've got it, all my assets are in my trust. So it's not required, number one. But it's really crazy to not have it because. 
there's always the chance that, if nothing else, an asset you didn't even know about. So it wasn't that you forgot to put it in. You didn't know about it. So maybe you're you're you were you had inherited a bunch of money from some long law, or you want a you know publisher's clearinghouse, whatever it is. You know there there could be some source a lawsuit in which you're named in a class action you didn't know about right. it maybe or didn't follow it. So it's really silly to not you know a poor of a will is so simple and it's this incredibly you know effective net so that anything that that wasn't in your trust it's caught and it's put in your trust. So it's simple as that. Um, is I think that we've we've covered. Have we gotten at least mentioned each item on our list? Because I'm going to let you summarize the list real quickly. The list that we're posting for you all uh, is going to have what? How many items do we eight. have? Eight, eight items. items. And I think those are all self-explanatory. Do you want to go down that list real quickly? Sure. Just say what they are. So our wrapping up list uh, for things to take care of in the new year or before, depending on how proactive you are, is to make sure that if uh, you have not gone to an estate planning attorney's office, that you at least make sure that you have beneficiary designations. Um, If you are doing an estate plan, make sure to get a revocable living trust in place uh, that will allow you Mm -hmm. to make decisions for your assets and to be very, very specific to combine that with your backup plan, which is going to be your pour over will. Um, And then again, going back with those powers of attorney, make sure you have those powers of attorney. If nothing else, get those in place. If you need to worry about getting your trust in place later in the year, that's fine. Along with the powers of attorney, make sure that you have a living will uh, that is is in conjunction with your healthcare power of attorney allows you to make any type of end of life de- decisions and for you to make direction on how those are made, not uh, making it so that somebody has to guess what your wishes would be. And then when you're talking about making things, you know, wrapping things up, bringing them full circle, you're going to want to take a look at your funding which we had had called beneficiary designations. If you did take care of having a trust, make sure that all of your assets are pointing towards that trust. Uh, That's usually a form that you're going to get on each account. And if you have a good estate planning attorney, they will be able to confirm that you have the right form and, uh, and be able to help you out with that. Uh, burial plans. We touched on that briefly, just seeing that if you are interested in getting a burial plan, make sure that your estate planning attorney knows about it. Uh, and then also long-term care and life insurance. If you don't have someone that you like working with, your attorney can most likely give you a recommendation of someone to work with, again, without any type of compensation, but uh, kind of point you in the right direction and coordinate with that person. These are the incredible eight items. If you get these eight things accomplished, then you're good. You're good as to the most essential things in terms of your planning. Um, and I place this in front of you know all these other competing things that you have in your life, all of which are important, don't get me wrong. But these eight items you can get done in, within the month of January. And you're if off you start to a early. good new year. Yeah, you could get it all done in the month of January. Is that possible? They came in early? Absolutely. You can get it done within the period of a month. Yeah. And, um, and meanwhile, you know, you're, you don't have to worry about communicating with the other professionals in your life. You don't have to worry about it. You can let your estate planning lawyer worry about that. And it's included essentially in the fee because it's a flat fee is the way this, this area of the law is built. So with that, we wrap up. 
an episode that was dedicated to the best New Year's resolutions you could have uh, for 23. Wow, 2023. I can't believe it. Boy, that year went fast, didn't it? It did. Yeah. All right. So uh, this has been another episode of Life's Third Act. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act, a podcast for thriving in retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.